0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 26. My name is Damien Ross and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. Before we get into who the guests are today, can you do me a favor? When the show is over, head over to your social media account and share either the magazine or the podcast with your friends and family. You can pick the social media account. Just go ahead and use the hashtag Rootless Living. Go ahead and link up the magazine, link up the podcast. Help me get the word out. It actually is a big help when you guys do that. On this episode, I chat with Chris and Cherie, the duo you might know, behind Technomadia, but they really are known for running an amazing resource to help us all stay connected. And you can find that at rvmobileinternet.com. And today we get into talk about what it's like to be a remote worker since the nineties and digital nomad since 2006. Before I say too much, let's get into the show. All right. With that, I want to welcome Chris and Cherie to the show. Chris, Cherie, how are you guys? We're doing pretty good. Doing great. Yeah. Awesome.
1: I'm really excited to have you guys because I will say, in 2016, when I decided to uh, go kind of full nomad, the first thing that I thought about was, how am I going to stay connected? And and we'll definitely get into that. But what I think is interesting, besides just what you guys bring to the table in and around helping people get connected, stay connected, and work on the road, is that you guys have been doing this for a long time in... <laughs> kind of the digital nomad space i know there have been nomads since the beginning of time but actual digital nomads you guys launched in 2006 i don't even know how that was possible um it actually just seemed like kind of a natural progression and it the
2: digital nomads the 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 the, the term tech nomad that we go by um has been around since the um, 1980s mid 80s there was this guy steve roberts um who set off, he decided to to move into a computerized recumbent bicycle, sell his house, and go full timing on a bike and use technology at the time of, you know, dial-up acoustic coupler modems and ham radio and everything to still work and stay connected on the road. And he actually coined the term Technomad and was one of our very early inspirations. Um, but by the mid-90s, when I first set out, it did stay, doing it just seemed like, uh, oh, of course you can do this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you didn't
3: sit out in the mid-90s, but you were dreaming oh, about yeah, right. it Oh Yeah, I
2: was dreaming about it when I met Steve and then mobily connected by then. You know, I, I was actually running my house off of mobile internet and just working from anywhere. And it just didn't even seem to th- consider that, like, oh, yeah, of course you could work on the road like this and just go out like that.
3: Yeah, I was already working from home. I've been a software developer working remotely since the early 90s. And I was already integrating in a lot of personal travel while still working from wherever I was. And I was even tethering off my smartphone as early as 2000. So the concept (laughs) of when I met Chris in 2006, he actually hit the road solo. When I met him, I was, it wasn't a big deal for me to just like, oh, I work remotely from wherever I am anyway. I work (laughs) off of my smartphone. I tether off of it. I'd already been doing that for six years. Like. Why can't I do that from an RV?
1: That's amazing. I mean, because if you think about 2006, uh, there is no iPhone, which I think probably the majority of the people that use, I don't even know if there were technically hotspots being sold by cell companies. I mean, obviously, you're saying that you were able to tether from your smartphone, which I had no idea that you could do that yeah, in 2000.
2: And, well, and and so my background before hitting the road, I was at uh, Palm and PalmSource, the Palm Pilot, and then Handspring Treo and all that stuff. So I was there at the birth of the smartphone era. So I I had all this stuff very early on, and Sheree was actually a, a smartphone customer from the I very was a early smartphone days. Devel-
3: I was actually smartphone yeah, I, I was writing apps for Palm and Palm Pilot back in the late 90s, um, and I had one of the very first smartphones to ever come out because i've i've been a tech geek since i was when my dad was back in the 70s when i was born
2: yeah so so tethering was a was an option there wasn't you were it's a lot easier and a lot simpler now than it used to be and much much faster but it was it was there for for the cutting edge geeks to to play around with and
1: get connected via phones back in that you know 2g era before 3g even That's insane. I actually, when I talk about the magazine, so I've done a magazine in the past, but obviously both in print, Uh, there wasn't really digital. I think my last magazine ended around 2008. And I really remind myself that back then in 2008, I had to still talk to people about how to attach a photo to an email. Yes. (laughs) That's not that long ago. And it's just incredible how much our technology has kind of grown. So when I decided, hey, you know what, I wanna do this, and I always make the joke that I actually thought I invented the idea of going full-time in an RV because I wasn't inspired by anybody. And as soon as I went on the internet, I was like, oh wait, (laughs) there's so many people doing this. And instantly I found you guys. I mean, you guys have done a great job, obviously with SEO or even the way you guys are in so many Facebook groups. I mean, you're constantly there helping people understand this. And this really has to be, you know, what kind of rig should I get? How much money or how do I make money on the road? And then how do I stay connected? I feel like those three are interchangeable. You can, they probably rank one, two, and three and change all the time. You guys saw this as something and that you just really want to be able to help the community. Obviously, tell me how Technomadia got started, and you know, kind of what it has evolved to today.
3: Well, Technomadia is our personal blog, and our what we set off. We Chris and I, when we met, we were both bloggers. Uh, we were both sharing personal stuff on our live journals back in the day, and uh, that's how we met.
2: And, and when we, uh, when we, after we met and decided we're going to hit the road together and not, not just me solo with shri kind of popping in on occasion, we decided to um, basically get a new domain and just picked Technomadia kind of mostly out of the blue and had that just auto script and syndicate our separate personal blogs, anything tagged, you know, about no, travel. Man. You know, Nomad would then combine and that was Technomaddy. and it was mostly just a place to to give family and friends a, a, a quick look at what we're up to and, you know, here's our latest travel pictures and stuff. And,
3: and then, you know, a lot of friends, we started noticing that we had other people other than just mom and dad reading along and uh, people would start asking, well, how are you getting your mail? How, how are, you are you getting afford- internet? <laughs> how are you getting internet? And um, at the time I was a software developer uh, working remotely and internet was essential for us. And um, I was running a software development business with my father and he passed away in 2013. And part of my grieving process was, um, well, I got really, really tired of answering the same questions all the time about mobile internet. So I thought, well, I'll write a big, big blog post about combining all of our information about mobile internet into one place. And then people would quit asking us questions, right? Well, that turned into a
2: book. Yeah, it was way too big for a blog post. <laughs> and then
3: we we discovered that, um, well, technology, well, we knew this, of course, we didn't discover it. Uh, we knew that technology changed frequently and a book was not the right format to keep that information in. Something that you, it needed to be something that we could update more rapidly than once a year. Uh, so we launched a website called the Mobile Internet Resource Center. And so we have specifically branched that out separate from Technomadia, keeping Technomadia our play space. It's our happy hour place. It's where we share more about the travels and mobile internet info, uh, mobile internet now is dedicated to mobile internet. It's our,
2: it's our work life. And working on it. the balance has worked out pretty well that we can kind of separate the two sides of ourselves there.
1: Yeah. And I think, honestly, that's in all these links, I'll drop down below and we'll go over at kind of at the end. But this is really where you need to go as a as a magazine publisher that's trying to do something in and around this lifestyle. I was like, I'm not even going to try to recreate this question. I'm just going to point people to you. And I know for a lot of people when they're starting a blog or a YouTube channel or, you know, even writing a book, they want to take the the knowledge and then kind of pass it off as as their own. And I've only been doing this three years. You guys have been doing this, well... I mean, I guess 14 years as far as traveling nomads, but if you really talk about how long you've really been helping people and understanding, getting connected, it's just decades. And that's amazing. Like, and really I'm still sitting here like, wait, you could tether your phone in 2000. What was I doing? I considered myself a little bit of a tech geek and i love stuff. And you know, I remember screaming at my parents, buy Apple stock. They're going to come out with a phone. It's going to change the world and that kind of stuff. So it's really cool. And I do love, I mean, again, I see you guys in groups constantly and I do, It's funny, when I first started, and I would always see, I think it was Sherry, like, drop a link to someone's question. And I hear you, Sherry, when you're like, we're answering the same questions over and over. (laughs) I think that's one of the downsides of the Facebook group, that people, you know, just don't have the technology to learn how to search a group before they ask a question. But it's great that you guys have placed all this knowledge, and you guys are definitely my go-tos. Now, the other thing I think about your life that's really interesting in and around this is that you guys have really done probably every form of nomad training travel that there is. I don't think you've ever owned an airplane, but it looks like you guys have owned almost everything else in the course of these 14 years. And, and actually, when I set off solo um, in 2006,
2: the, I was carrying around an airplane in my Jeep. I had a powered paramotor that I could strap to my back and uh, t- run and take off and fly.
3: Chris is a licensed pilot, so he would love to do airplane, <laughs> airplane travel. His, his dream actually is he wants to get a Zeppelin.
2: That's my ultimate nomad vehicle someday. Oh, wow. But yeah, so we, we we've done we started off in an extremely tiny travel trailer, a, a little tab clamshell Is what I started off solo because I did not and, and I did not imagine having somebody who'd want to move into this tiny little thing with me. It has, a, it has solar power and mobile internet, but it didn't have a refrigerator, air conditioner, or even a bathroom on board.
3: And then, yeah, so I decided to sell my, my beachfront home in Florida and join them uh, for this no bathroom setup. And we did that for a year um, and then decided at the end of that year, we decided we hadn't killed each other. Uh, that was our first date. By the yeah, way, was that here on the road? Yes. And um, we decided that we hadn't killed each other, so we should probably stay together. And we bought a super huge 17 foot travel. This was
2: a, a custom made Oliver fiberglass egg, super like yeah, super high end, and we got to help actually go to the factory and help design and construct it. So we got to have the, the as much cool stuff as you could have crammed into a still very very small RV, and we lived in that for
3: three years. Three years, and then uh, we. Weren't sure what we wanted to do after that because it was
2: starting to feel small.
3: Especially as you did long, we did longer stays. We took some contract work in places where we needed to be still for two or three months at a time. We were starting to contemplate, was it time to switch to boating at that time? And this is back in 2010. And uh, we had an opportunity to move over to the U.S. Virgin Islands for a season. So we uh, packed everything up, took the cat, and we moved over to St. John's and uh, lived basically in a glorified treehouse.
2: Yep, basically, a screen porch, not even windows on it, just screens. And, you know, would work during the day and go into the beach every afternoon and still snorkeling, snorkeling
3: and biking. And then uh, we got back to the the state side and uh, decided we wanted to stick with RVing as our home base, uh, but we wanted something larger, so that put us on the track to searching down a vintage bus to convert to be an RV. So we did that in 2011, and we still have the bus to this day. But we always had the boating dream, so in 2017 we got a boat, which we are broadcasting uh, recording this from, uh, and now we split our year between the bus conversion and boat and then we decided we that wasn't complicated enough <laughs> so we decided to get a, a van conversion yep. to we use got, between the two
2: we got rid of our car and got a it's like we, we just can't conceive of having a vehicle that you can't uh, sleep in so we got, got a, a van conversion that is now our teleportation pod between the boat on the east coast and the bus and the out in the desert southwest and then and lets us do shorter more like rving vacation e-trips and weekend trips and stuff
1: I just want to go back real quick to – hey, Chris, tell people how you can prove that Sherry loves you. She sold her beach house to move into a place without a bathroom. Yes. (laughs) That is probably the greatest definition of love I've ever heard of.
0: Now, do you guys also technically, like, have a
1: home-based piece of property – in uh arizona i mean again i don't try to do a lot of deep dive but i just i follow you guys on social media is that what you guys have too
3: it's not really a home base but what we did is we purchased a long a lifetime lease at an uh, escapees co-op park in benson arizona uh, which is serves us where we store our bus and then Mm -hmm. when we are out in arizona for our winter months it's kind of our our launching pad so we get the bus ready to get back on the road there we stay there we go out boondock for months at a time and then when we're ready to yeah. store it again we'll return back there maybe the long run it'll become a home base for us but yeah, um,
2: right right now we've only we only just basically Took possession of it this last winter, and uh
3: it's, a, it's also a new addition to our, yeah. our uh, fleet right now.
1: So, <laughs> I think through kind of just you know obviously what happened with COVID and stuff. I think people will start thinking about having a little bit of a plot that they control. It definitely you know that's something I've always thought about, and it definitely made me think a little harder about that. Mm-hmm. That if I ever needed to go to a place, even if it was just to work on the rig, and it had the ability to hook up, that, and that's what I kind of thought that was. And I know when I saw the the van and the bus, I was like, man. really doing it I saw the bus out on the outside at RV entrepreneur I think it was 18 I was there the days before and I had a conference that I worked for at the time that I had to leave so I didn't really get to hang out and meet you guys but I definitely think you parked down it's it's beautiful obviously through kind of your videos and social media I've seen the inside of it it's phenomenal fantastic and I think it's really great too because there's no slides and I think you know when you talk about really you know boondocking or you know if you're ever stopping somewhere it's really nice to be able to have it where you don't have to pull things in and out to make it work I think you guys are you know I mean not that you need my endorsement but you guys are doing everything like perfect and awesome and and you know that's the whole concept of rootless is just really living a life where you don't feel stuck and you know and you can definitely do it in so many different ways and I love that you guys have gone through the gauntlet of almost everything over the years which is really phenomenal. Now oh, no sorry. No, go oh, ahead. just the, the people should
2: never be afraid to to mix things up. You know, don't need to get yourself stuck in one definition of uh, this kind of nomad or this type of vehicle or this type of style of travel. It's um, when when things start to feel stale is the perfect time to mix things up and uh,
3: And it doesn't mean you made a bad choice. It yeah. just means that you've changed. And it's time for something different. And uh, labels are best used as uh, descriptions of what you're doing, not prescriptions for what you have to be doing.
1: Yeah, and I think you guys will agree that a a question we see all the time is, you know, should I buy a Class A or should I get a fifth wheel? Like, that's where people go to. And it's, I personally believe, and I'd like to hear your guys' opinion, I don't think I can answer that question ever for anyone else. I can tell you why I picked a fifth wheel. Mm -hmm. and. When you guys have gone through the process, uh, what's your advice when people are like, "Well, what should I get?" How do you guys answer that question for people?
3: We basically tell people buy what you think you want, but don't get into a place where you can't change it up in a year when you decide you wanted something different.
2: Yeah, don't don't. Much better to buy some buy it. If anything, buy an old beater that you can learn on and play around with customizing and stuff. Then getting yourself stuck underwater and an RV that you can't afford to move out of for five or even 10 years. You know, that there's some crazy, crazy people locked in to RVs that they end up hating and they can't afford to leave them.
1: Yeah. I think about myself, I was renting when I left, so it was really easy to break my lease and go. Um, I give no advice when people are like, do you think I should sell my place and, <laughs> and leave? I'm like, ah. Uh. I I don't know. I think maybe renting it for a year because there is a lot of burnout. I bet you guys have seen that a lot more than I have where people go completely gung-ho into the lifestyle and (laughs) they burn out within the first year. I I have a theory that I think it's because, you know, people live this lifestyle as a vacation sometimes. So they try Mm -hmm. to take that mindset into it. And then when they get here, they realize it's not vacation. They just You know, I always say I pull a 40-foot condo from state to state. I'm not camping. I'm not on vacation. Just my locations change. And it's a lot better than me being in Los Angeles. Like, that's what I try to explain to people. But I don't feel like I'm on vacation. Definitely the people that I worked for felt that way at the time, you know, or that I'm retired. Oh, I think
2: there's a lot of people who try to do so much that first year that they hit the road that they're like they're the 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 freedom that mobility gives them it it just unleashes them so much that they just don't slow down they don't realize that they're still trying to balance a social life and a work life and just living and... and they try to do it all way too much way too fast and we did the same thing and every year we get slower and slower and enjoy it more.
1: Yeah, what would you if you guys had to pick one of the two what do you love more do you more love more being in the the bus and driving around or is it the boat for you guys
3: yeah we honestly when we went back this past winter we had it in our mind if we were going to choose um if it was time to get rid of the bus um but we enjoyed our winter so much being back in the bus being out back in, the boondock- desert, yeah. in boondocking, I mean, we love the van, but it's not comfortable for more than a couple weeks at a time now for us. We still love them both, and we're not ready to make that choice. Yes, so that's what we that's what we came out of the season with.
1: That's nice. I mean, at least you know you have you definitely have options, which is good. And uh, you guys have two cats, right? No, just one. Oh, okay. It, I I thought you actually named one C eighty when I saw the cat. I was like, oh, that's cool. They have a cat named Cat because um, I had a dog named Doji and Oh. P- be like, I grew
2: up with a dog named Dog too. Yeah,
1: and I love when people were like, "What does that mean?" And I'm like, "Dog," and they're like, "In what language?" And I'm like, "I thought ours." English. Yeah, I met someone with a cat named C80, and that's where oh, that one did it. that one did fool me. C80, okay. C80, oh. and I took a moment. Yeah, it was funny. Okay, so one cat, and the cat obviously. Uh, we'll jump from ship to van to RV and hang out with you guys. And she is very flexible. Yeah,
3: she we she adopted us when she was seven weeks old. She's now eleven, so she's has grown up entirely on the road. And uh, we get still too long. She starts. She's usually the first one to get antsy. <laughs> that's
1: Sweet. when you know it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, I love that. So what's coming up? for you guys what do you guys like do you guys put out like a like a 6 month plan or a year plan like how long do you guys think forward into kind of your travel and what you're doing <laughs> well i mean the
3: the general plan going forward for the next 5 to 10 years was that we would spend spring through fall cruising we're doing something that's called the great loop which is a circumnavigation of the eastern part of the US basically going up the east coast up the intercoastal waterway into the erie canal exploring the great lakes maybe even going up into canada and then coming down the river system back back into the gulf of mexico and it's a 6000 mile journey which doesn't sound like much to an rver but that's About the equivalent of driving about sixty thousand miles at the speed that boats go. So we're splitting it up over many years, and then just doing monthly stays in places and enjoying it. As we get north, apparently there's this thing called winter where it gets too cold to go
2: boating. Yeah, we we haven't water even freezes. Apparently, it's crazy. Yeah,
3: we haven't experienced this yet, but apparently it's a thing. And uh, at that point, we'll want to return to our RV in the winter. So that was the general plan going forward: is winters on the RV back in the Southwest and summers and springs and falls going up the up the coast and just leisurely doing this great loop uh the pandemic is uh, going to put a crimp in that um so for now we have stationed ourselves in sanford florida which is down a uh 100 mile river um out of Jacksonville, just north of orlando uh kind of inland because we're anticipating that we'll be here through hurricane season and we'll just see how things roll this year yeah.
2: and it's a very very pleasant place because you know we, we picked a boat big enough that it's um is a very comfortable condo basically so we're just have a nice floating condo water view a really cool town that's here even even though it's locked up for the pandemic we've got uh five places within walking distance we can go refill um growlers with um brewery beer or local beer so you know it's you know it's, if you're gonna be stuck someplace this is a good place
1: to be where is the farthest you guys have and i don't know if i'm supposed to call it sailing or boating but where's the furthest you guys have gone
3: so we bought the boat in uh, punta gorda florida which is on the west coast uh back in march 2017 and we had gone down to the keys and then made it as far north as charleston so just over a thousand no yeah a thousand miles i, I think, think about is what a thousand we recorded. miles
2: worth of the loop
3: Plus I'm yes. back. And then we backtracked down to um, Florida. Again. Back back to Florida for the pandemic once we knew that this was gonna be a long term thing. We wanted to be back in Florida closer to family and closer to a place that felt familiar.
1: Does it have the capabilities to go, like if you guys want to go like way out to the islands kind of a thing, or is it more well, like coastal? Well,
2: way out, it, the the boat is, it's a Bayliner boat. And the, the the purpose is in its name. It's not really meant to go offshore. It's not an offshore boat, but it is perfectly a great Bahamas boat. And if there wasn't a pandemic, we actually might've been be in the Bahamas right now. Um, but, but it's not a boat that you would take anything further than the Bahamas. You know, the Bahamas are very, you know, just a, couple hours off of florida so they're very easy to get to anything further than that this is not the right boat for that (laughs) Right,
3: boats are very purpose-built and because many are built to do uh, big passages blue water passages like going over to europe or fiji like our friends gone with the winds are doing you do buy a boat for the type of cruising that you want to do and we picked one to stay more coastal
2: and, yeah, and, a, anyway. and, a, and a nice floating condo with big giant windows that you wouldn't want waves crashing into.
1: <laughs> yeah. Did you guys have experience before? I know you said you have obviously have pilot experience, but was there sailing or boating experience between the two of you before this? We had yeah. an inflatable kayak in the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, did gr-
3: <laughs> I did grow up. Uh, my dad was a sailor and I, I did grow up sailing Hobie cats, very small recreational boats, but, and Chris had a,
2: when we when you know, my parents had a lake, we would go to my grandma's house on the lake, and we'd drive with little ski boats. And then when I was in high school, we had a um, a small Sea Ray, little cabin cruise. We'd spend our weekends staying on down at the Jersey Shore, and I was the designated family captain. So I had, I had some experience driving a twenty seven ish foot boat. But we jumped we jumped from that decades Thank ago, kids. yeah, decades ago to inflatable kayak to now we we bought a forty seven foot Uh, um, Bayliner which was a was a big jump and we took it nice and slow and took our time learning yeah we've done great
1: and I love that you guys are like obviously purchasing used too and then making it your own um both I know you guys said that the Bayliner was in 1999 I don't know if you said what year the bus was 61 (laughs) wow what was the bus's purpose before you bought it was it just was it like for Greyhound or something
3: so yes, the uh, the model is a GM 4106, which was uh, designed between Greyhound and GM to be their fleet center of the 60s. It's 35 feet long, which was the max highway length then, which is what led us to that era of bus, uh, because buses were built to the maximum capacity, how many people they could cram in them. And we wanted something that was 35 feet or under to still get into a lot of the state park and national parks that were built in that era. So, you know, the max highway length lengths 35 feet so that's what a lot of the campgrounds were designed around yeah,
2: yeah but buses are, are really cool because they're, they're they're built they're so overbuilt compared to Rvs because they're designed for commercial service they're designed to be in use constantly um, and particularly back in the the era of, of our bus they were they were so over engineered that they can last forever if you take care of them but it is still an old vehicle you're kind of uh you know taking on a lot of uh, interesting and unusual projects which was part of the fun of it for us but it's definitely a challenge too
1: do you guys run into any of the the rumor of if your part if your vehicle's old a park won't let you in have you guys That's ran into that at rumor. all I mean, yeah,
3: yeah so, there, so there is the 10-year rule and um that is there in place mainly so that uh, sometimes it's an insurance requirement by the campground by their insurance company um but a lot of time it's to keep it's kind of like a homeowner's association in a house you know if you want to live in a neighborhood where all the lawns look great well you should be expected to mow your lawn. That's part of your agreement to going into homeowners association. So a lot of them are like, if you want to go to a resort where all the RVs RVs are newer, well then you better have a newer RV. Um, our bus kind of, Falls into a weird area because we have done, we've done everything. It is basically a five year old RV at this point. It's a restored
2: classic. So (laughs) Um,
3: it's not considered old, it's considered vintage. And usually, if we want to stay in those types of places, which aren't our type of place anyway. Um, we just send them photos in advance and they usually say, oh yeah, that's cool. Come on in.
2: But yeah, there, there's definitely um, issues that some 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 of the higher end RV parks don't like older RVs. Or bus
3: conversions. Or
2: bus conversions or, or you know anything that doesn't look, doesn't fit their image. And any place that kind of has that attitude is usually not the kind of places I want to go anyway. So it, it's it very rarely been an issue for us.
1: Yeah, I guess that's what I meant is that you do hear it, but I haven't really heard from anyone besides schoolies. I've heard some schoolies run into it, but They said that was more because it's not classified really as an RV. They don't have some sort of RV kind of classification that I didn't even know really existed. It's still just considered a bus in the eyes of some of these campgrounds. I you know, I think about like, well, then why are people doing 20 year leases on a rig that they won't even be allowed to take the parks in 10 years? Yeah. And and I don't see it as much for Airstream. You know, I mean, obviously they they see those as classics. That's where I've seen some amazing 50s and 60s airstreams are at some of these parks that probably wouldn't allow, but because like what you just said, it falls into vintage as opposed to old. And, and also the like higher
2: end RVs um, after 10 years still look in great condition, but most RVs after five to 10 years are starting to fall apart. So there's also that comes into play. If you, if you pull into a park with a 20 year old for travel, nobody's going to care because it's still going to look amazing, amazing and fabulous. So those, those are built to a much higher standard than some of the other more, you know,
3: RVs that are designed for recreational use a, a couple, couple of times weekends a, a year. year yeah.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. I think you bring up two interesting points right now too, that I think a lot of people, I know we were making jokes about water freezing and getting cold. I always laugh when I hear people like it's freezing and I'm like, your vehicles and wheels, <laughs> there, there are places where it's warm you can go and there's that. And then obviously that people I think sometimes have an expectation when they're buying an RV to your point that it's designed and made for weekend use. And I see that a lot of time. I get that I bought something and I'm using it in a way that it was not meant to be used. I'm every other week it's going through maybe a, I don't know, a 4.5 to 7.5 earthquake. Mm -hmm. And I went into that with that mentality, even though I'd never RVed before, but I did know that, you know, this isn't what this thing is made for. And I think sometimes when you go into that. That, with that attitude, you're like, okay, I'm getting a lot more out of it than I really should. This is really made for me to pick up from a storage yard and drive, you know, 70 miles and you know, camp in a national or state park. That's how most people use them, absolutely. Yeah, and so
3: both are boats are fall into a different category. Um, they usually start at the high end RV build level because they are constantly moving even here we're tied to a dock my boat is moving constantly in the wind as other boats pass us and wake us Uh, so a boat has to have higher standards because they are in constant motion and Water is not kind.
2: Yeah, they got water, salt water, um, just a lot more exposure to the elements and stuff. So, so the, even the lowest end boat boats are built to the standards of the highest end RVs, which, um, but then they also take a lot more abuse and age faster. So it it kind of balances out in interesting
1: ways. Gotcha. How much time did you guys spend looking for uh, the perfect boat, or you know, a boat? Uh, what well, much I, thought went into that?
3: Well, yeah, we started dreaming about voting on our. First, started communicating back in two thousand and six. That it was. It's been on our radar for quite a while. We really got serious with our shopping in mid two thousand and sixteen, and then we bought the boat almost a year later. But yeah, so
2: we 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 kind of planned our RV travels around working our way down the East Coast. Um, and we met up with a, a boat broker who had agents up and down the East Coast so we can basically tour different boats and go to different boating events and stuff to zero in on what we were thinking about. And our, our entire plans changed as we learned more about boats. So what Our initial vision of what we were looking for and what we ended up with was Completely radically different.
1: different. <laughs> I love the boat idea. I remember when I was a, a freshman in college in Santa Barbara, I just left Utah. I didn't really work out in Utah very well. Went back to California. The rent was so expensive, and I saw this like rental for where I could live on a houseboat. But I, you know, I couldn't take it out. I just would live on it in the dock, and it was so much cheaper. And I jumped all over. But at six foot seven, like as soon as wow. I got there, I was like, oh no, this isn't for me. <laughs> yes, and there was a little bit of fear of that when I got into the RV because I'd only been in a couple Class A's, and you know, most Class A's are maybe six five in height Mm -hmm. and obviously a fits wheel is is boating ever going to be an option for someone six foot seven or am i out unless i really want to hunch over
2: well it's just like rv shopping is you got you got to go find the find the boats that have that space designed into them um and it's definitely a challenge like you you wouldn't be able to, to be comfortable in a bus like ours but you you've definitely found rvs that are six seven compatible um and boats. I think actually six, seven would be fine in our boat. Um,
3: I haven't measured ceiling height here, how, how
2: much headroom do I have over me? Oh,
3: you really Set, uh, Chris is six foot tall. He's only got about four inches above Maybe him. about five.
2: So yeah, you'd,
1: you'd be challenged in this particular boat, but there's others with
2: much higher ceilings.
1: Okay, well, don't let that discourage you from inviting <laughs> me on your boat, though, okay? I can, <laughs> I can tilt my neck for a week at best. No problem. Okay, <laughs>
3: good.
1: <laughs> well, I want to get into also really what's that like? How does someone figure out internet for both let's talk about boating and then even, you know, as much as you can, I mean, I know there's so many resources that people can find, but what are just some of the basic kind of things people need to know when they're thinking about either going RV or going boating, staying connected? What are the things they really need to look for?
3: The first thing is you need to drop the premise that there is a best connection or best option that's out there. There are three primary ways that boaters and RVers get online, and that's using either the campground or marina Wi Fi, a cellular connection, or satellite. The combination of those things that you will use is going to be very unique to you and your needs. Someone who is needing to work remotely and doing a lot of video conferencing or video uploading is kind of a very different setup than someone who just needs to check their email from time to time yeah. and maybe make routing to their next destination.
2: And it's kind of like one of the most important things that, that anybody who wants to do any serious connectivity on the go is that you can't just have that even if you try and dial in what is the one overall best for you you still need to have your backup plans in mind so like you know jumping out of an airplane you want to have that reserve parachute just in case the main parachute isn't working for you in that one particular place um you really want the reserve and this is the same with connectivities. you need to have your backup plans and know how to use them
3: because each location that you go to is going to have its best option for that location. Maybe in one place it's AT&T has the best signal and the best speeds. Maybe if the next one it's Verizon and maybe the next one you actually have great campground Wi-Fi. If you want to be able to keep connected and you're choosing to live a mobile lifestyle, you're accepting that variable, that it's changing each time you move. And you have to do a little bit of adjustments. And that that means you need to carry. It's kind of like when you're a a golfer, you have different uh, golfing club thingies. I I don't golf. I don't know this stuff. But (laughs) you have different clubs for the variety of things that you're going to encounter. And it's the same sort of thing with RVing and boating and keeping connected is you generally need to have multiple tools in your setup to be able to keep online reliably.
2: But it doesn't need to be super complicated. And it or necessarily even super expensive to get a decent basic foundation set up.
3: Except for the options are changing all the time. <laughs> exactly, so yeah. even if uh, you go and look at someone's uh, blog entry, that they share their setup and they tell you what is their best setup, they may have picked that out six months ago and all the options that they have aren't available today to a new customer. So <laughs> it really does, it, everyone has to kind of really evaluate what, what their needs are and then find what is available today that meets those needs.
1: Yeah, I think I originally might have stumbled across like the AT&T, you know, like Mobly that you plug into your car and it was such a great deal. And then someone came up with like a, I don't know if it's a male or female to USB kind of connection for that. So then you could take that out of the car and use it everywhere. But I, it, when people ask me like, what do you use your at and I explained that they can't find those. And that was relatively like right after I got it. It wasn't like a long time after. Yeah,
3: that was uh, like, a promo that they were running for like six months back yeah. in 2017
2: <laughs>
1: and we were screaming from
2: the rooftops to anyone who would listen at the times like get this now while you can because this is probably the best deal you'll see in your lifetime 20 dollars a month unlimited at and go for it get it get it get it
1: <laughs> i think that's actually where we got it i think that might be where we really no i i know i found you before we actually took off but i think when we were getting close to getting the internet i think it's probably yeah. you because i think you are right i think my memory is that some was like screaming like it's apple stock before the iphone you know where it's like you want this and i am very grateful and thankful (laughs) that i did get one i do find it weird though that and maybe you can explain this, that like currently, my current spot, my Mobily is like half the speed. I'm actually recording this while tethering to my cell phone mm-hmm. just because my cell phone is so much stronger right now. And they're both technically AT&T. But ah. the modems, the, the technology inside... Makes it, a
3: huge difference. The, the mobly device was a category four modem. It doesn't mm-hmm. do high-end things like carrier aggregation. It doesn't connect to all the frequency bands. Whereas if you have a more modern smartphone the modem inside of it is far more capable and able to take better advantage of current LTE technology or 5G is coming up here soon too. So understanding the modem inside of the device that you're using,
2: Makes a huge difference. It's like are you are you puttering around in a golf cart or a Lamborghini? You might be on the same road, um, but you know same AT&T network, but it's a very different, completely different class of devices. And the Mobily is a is about as low end of a device as you can get. And you can actually take your Mobily SIM and your Mobily plan, and we've got guides to this of how to put that into more capable devices and get more speed and still keep that old
1: plan. I think I did that with you guys with my Verizon hotspot. I don't think I really thought about doing that with my bullby where I took my hotspot and then purchased more of a plug-in modem with like four little antennas I'm sorry I don't know the the <laughs> technical term the, the, you're golfing like I understood what you're saying with golfing I was like oh, yeah, I take out my six iron I'm like 180 yards away <laughs> but for me this stuff is a little complicated yeah but it did make a huge difference. I mean, I still kept the hotspot for when, you know, if I go to a Starbucks just to be around people, when you could be around people. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to have that if the Starbucks internet's not bad. But when I'm here plugged into the rig, it's just nice to have this modem instead and it's made a huge difference. So that's definitely something I'll look into. Thank you for the tip. I actually hadn't even really thought about removing the SIM and trying to find a better router. Uh, so
3: go to go to um, rvmobileinternet.com slash Mobley and you'll find our entire guide to what you can do with that Mobily, Just know that the at t may at some point consider it against terms of service to move that SIM card.
2: And then you'll have to be paying attention and put it back into that Mobily. So don't lose the Mobily, but at least for now, you can go to something faster.
1: I love that you guys always do that too. And I think that's a... It, it, it seems like a social media thing to me now where you have to always put these asterisks because, you know, someone six months from now, like, you told me I could do this and <laughs> now they've changed their terms and services. I've always really appreciated that you guys are always, you know, look at their terms of services because even though you can do it doesn't mean they'll allow it. Like I'm surprised the mobility can't tell them that this isn't hooked into a car. And just, That's because the Mobley
3: is a pretty dumb device. So know. what they did when they just got, they got rid of the Mobley stock, they now have that same plan available. You can still get an unlimited data plan, but it's on their Garmin, uh, Harman Spark, which is a replacement for the Mobley device. That one can tell you that it's in a car and it doesn't work when it's outside the car. They got nice. smart.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's why really, the Mobley is yeah. a collector's item, basically. <laughs> you keep calling my Mobley dumb, and I'm taking it personal. Just kidding. Yeah, it's like one of my like kids.
3: That allows you to use it. So yeah, that's right, stop
1: you. Now it <laughs> sounds like you've been talking to both of my ex-wives <laughs> with that <laughs> quote. Awesome. Well, I got a ton out of this. I want to make sure people can find you. Oh, you know what? But actually, even though some of my like seasoned. Nomads haven't done this, but I think I will do it with you guys because I think it's important. So I used to do this thing, this high-low with my kids at the table throughout the day so that way the four kids could realize that their highs and their lows are very similar to people right around them. What's been a low on the in this lifestyle and what's been a high? And just so – because I think, too, also – As humans, when we post things to Instagram and Facebook, we're normally posting the highs. And if that's all people see, if that's the only window they see, then when they get out there, they're going to realize that it's not all highs. What's been a low on the road or on the sea for you guys?
3: There's been lots of lows. Um, Everything from feeling socially disconnected um, in the early days, we didn't have things like Instagram and Facebook. Or the uh,
2: escapers or other
3: online communities. That's why stuff, we put right? a lot of effort into helping create our village and escapers so that others hitting the road these days don't have that problem unless they want to be alone. Yeah. They have built-in communities to jump right into. Uh, but it was a very lonely experience the first few years out on the road. And that was a big obstacle for me that mm. almost made us get off the road and just give this up
2: yeah now now our social life is on the road and we if we were to stop traveling we'd be like well all of our friends are nomads now and
3: um but you know there's there's been your normal life life still happens while you're on the road your family members still get sick i mean we went through my father passing away that was um you know that's heart wrenching in any lifestyle and being nomadic gave us the flexibility to be there so that was actually one of our highs was being nomadic allowed us to be close to my family. Yeah, it it wasn't that just time. flying
2: in for for weekends or you know seeing them every few months. We could actually be there through the whole illness, and that was so. That's such a great gift to this lifestyle. No, without um, a
1: doubt. I think a lot of people forget that within this lifestyle is that freedom. You know, it's the freedom to go and the freedom to leave, which is really interesting. And I think about that like, you know, none of my none of my kids have kids yet. Uh, 19 to 29. It's incredible that I'm not a grandfather yet, but I think about that lifestyle. It'd be so great to be able to go, but then it's going to be so great to be able to leave too, which will be really nice. Let's talk about some of the highs. What have been some of the the highs for you guys that I think most people might not expect from this lifestyle. Oh, so
3: again, we talked about social life being hard in the beginning days. Now the people you meet are such a big, big part of it. Yeah. On yeah. Instagram, you see the pretty places that people visit, but for us, the heart of it is the yeah. people and the friends that we've made on the one, road.
2: one recent huge high was just our experience this past winter, um, going to the uh, Escapers New Year's Eve bash and then the annual bash gathering and just being, It's like in this amazingly vibrant community of other like minds, full-time
3: working age RVers, a a community that we helped found back in 2015. And then we switched to boating and had had an opportunity to circle back to and just coming back to it and just seeing how much of a need there was in the community.
2: And and just, it was like the best party ever and the best New Year's Eve ever and the best gathering. I mean, we, we were just buzzing for weeks after about just how incredible that community was and to be immersed in that so that was definitely a recent high and then like there's just those like momentary highs of like being in some place just jaw-droppingly beautiful and thinking i live here this is our house oh my gosh and yeah and just just <laughs>
3: yesterday we took the boat out and anchored out in the lake nearby here and watched a spacex rocket launch over at cape canaveral from our boat and then we had an amazing sunset and drinks and and food aboard. It's just an amazing
1: experience. That's really cool. Now, where can people find you? I know we talked a little about it, but I want to make sure people specifically know where to go for both hanging out with you guys and then really understanding how to stay connected. And again, you guys i will link all this down below in the (laughs) notes so you can find it, but just give people kind of the rundown.
3: Uh, So the blog is at, the personal travel blog is at technomadia.com. We're also on YouTube. We uh, do some videos every so often. Don't expect high quality stuff there. Uh, We're both on Instagram. You can find us as Shree underscore Technomadia and Chris underscore Technomadia. And Kiki sometimes is there too, our cat. Uh, We have a Facebook page as well at Technomadia. And we're on Twitter. I think everything cross posts there. And uh, for and, the mobile internet stuff, that is at rvmobileinternet.com or mobile internet info works as well. And we also do have a YouTube channel for the Mobile Internet Resource Center.
1: I've been saying Cherry, haven't I? Yes. Yes, Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, And as someone as Damien, everyone they meet me online says Damien when they meet me, wow. you know, they're like, they've met me online and they see the way it's spelled. I feel terrible. I'm the worst. I make sure every time to check someone's name because I hate when my name is said wrong. <laughs> and I blew it. I'm going to leave it though normally i would edit because i'm gonna leave it at the end and let you guys know that that's part of life too you make really big mistakes (laughs) but you can correct it oh i'm so sorry That's the worst oh terrible that all right well all the notes are down there You know, I apologize for saying your name wrong the entire show. (laughs) I can't believe it. Maybe I will try to edit it out. It'll be this weird moment where it's, you know, a different voice and everything. (laughs) 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 I really thank you guys for uh, making the time to be on the show. And again, just for me personally, and I know there's thousands out there, just thank you for being this resource, because obviously this lifestyle without staying connected is really not possible for anyone that's working on the road. And you guys have done an A++ job at this. It's really made it understanding how to stay connected so much easier. And just even in uh, like a 45-minute call, I think I'm going to be able to actually get so much better usage out of my ATT. and And I thank you just for that.
3: <laughs> well, thank you for creating Rootless Living. It's fantastic to see more resources coming for the ed digital nomads to, to inspire more and help more hit the road prepared.
2: And such a beautifully done magazine too. We've, we both got magazine backgrounds and it's just like, Whoa, this, this is, there's so many magazines are just slapped together. And this was just a beautiful work of art. So great job.
1: Thank you. And really thank you for the support. You guys have actually posted a lot. You guys came on board with the, the Kickstarter too, and you guys have just been really great about it. And I, I thank you for that. It's really helped. I think you guys have let people know about the magazine and people are finding us and, and again, you know, I always talk about on the beginning of the show, but if you want a free subscription, grab one. Look, it's endorsed by the <laughs> Technomadia. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today. It's an absolute pleasure.
0: Well, another fun episode. I'm still so bummed that during the show, I was saying Cherie's name wrong. Again, Cherie, I'm very sorry. Yeah, oh, it still bugs me. Now, if you wanna learn more about Chris and Shree, you can head over to technomadia.com and you'll find all the ways to connect with them personally. But if you are looking to truly understand how to stay connected on the road, head over to rvmobileinternet.com and you'll find everything you need to know about staying connected to the internet while on the road. And don't forget you can grab a free digital subscription of Rootless Living Magazine. And if you download issue number two, you can look for Chris and Cherie there as well. Just head over to rootlessliving.com and sign up today. But before you hit stop, just another quick reminder, share the podcast, share the magazine, help us get the word out. It really is a big help. And like always, if you know someone that could make a really good guest or that guest might even be you, please send me an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.